About 12 years ago, I moved into what I thought was a great apartment deal on New York City's Lower East Side. It turned out to be a drug bazaar, with people hanging out in the foyer, making crazy noise, buying dope, waking me up in the middle of the night. My apartment was on the floor above. I tried to be cool, appealing several times to the dealer, a big guy in track pants and a muscle tee, asking him to keep it down. I didn't care what they were up to. I just wanted to sleep. He'd give me a big smile and say, no problem, bro, and I'd go back to bed. Then the commotion would pick up again an hour later and go through the night. This went on for a couple of weeks until one night when I went down to complain as usual. This time the dealer didn't smile or say anything, just glared at me. The next day I went out for Chinese food. When I came back, the dealer and his girlfriend were standing at the entrance to the building. And when I went to slide by, she whispered something that sounded like, You're dead. When I got upstairs, I found that somebody had crazy glued my lock. And I had to call a locksmith to get into the apartment. Now I was pretty freaked. Although I couldn't be sure that I'd heard the girlfriend right. And who knows who put the glue in the lock. Could have been kids in the building. But I laid low for the next few weeks and tried to sleep through the noise. Until one night, 3, 4 a.m., when I was so sleep-deprived and going a little nuts, I just snapped. This time, when the noise came up the stairs, I marched out, half-dressed, and called down to the foyers. Listen, fellas, I said, in a voice that came to me from some TV cop show. This isn't going to fly anymore. Get it? Business is closed. The dealer and his two customers looked up at me like they couldn't decide whether to bust out laughing or run up the stairs and kick my ass. But something made them hesitate. And feeling the power of the moment, I whipped around and marched back to my apartment, slamming the door. I slept soundly that night and woke up feeling better than I had in weeks. Over the next few days, I noticed my neighbors cutting me a wider berth than usual in the hall, even avoiding eye contact. I figured my outburst had earned me some grudging respect in the building. I also noticed that the all-night noise in the foyer had died down. Then one afternoon, I was heading down my block and I saw two boys about 10 years old laughingly yanking a couple of young pit bulls on choker chains, letting the dogs get within inches of tearing each other apart. As I got closer, the boys looked in my direction and I heard one of them say to the other, be cool, he's a cop, and they pulled the dogs apart. Now it all made sense. The sudden deference of everybody in the building and the hesitation of the dealer that night. I'd heard about landlords in the neighborhood renting apartments to city cops for almost nothing to scare dealers out of buildings. That's what I must have looked like. And my TV cop voice and sleep-deprived fearlessness only confirmed it. I realized at that point that I could easily let people in the building know I wasn't a cop. Or... I could let them continue to think I was, which would be a dangerous game. But the thought of the all-night noise coming back convinced me to give it a shot. So over the next few weeks, I played up the cop routine. I found a New York Rangers warm-up jacket at a consignment shop and added some wraparound Oakley shades. The virtual uniform of the New York City undercover cop. I even went around the block a few nights on patrol, giving a lingering stare to potential customers hanging in doorways, as in, move on. The charade began to wear on me, though. I started drinking more and sleeping badly, having crazy, violent dreams. 
which I wrote off to the stress of being a cop. One morning, about 6 a.m., I was yanked out of a deep sleep by the sound of a crowing rooster. In zero-tolerance mode now, I pulled on my jeans, threw on the warm-up jacket, and grabbed the Oakleys. All I could tell was that the noise was coming from the building in back of mine. I mashed several buttons out front and got buzzed in, and I bounded up the stairs following the crowing. Five flights up, I pounded on an apartment door yelling, I'm here about the rooster! I could hear voices inside, but nobody answered, so I tried the door, and it opened. When I stepped in, a room full of men and women, small, mestizo-looking, sitting in a circle on folding chairs, looked up at me wide-eyed, obvious fear on their faces. They appeared to be having some kind of prayer meeting. A few had Bibles on their laps. I caught my reflection in the mirror behind them. Even shielded by the Oakleys, I looked deranged. One of the women began to cry, and the man next to her mumbled something in Spanish and took her hand in his. I must have looked like someone from immigration, or worse. I'm sorry, I said, and backed my way to the door. By the time I got down to the street, my heart was thumping. I had taken things too far. That night, I put away the cop outfit for good. When the super told me a couple of days later that the landlord was suddenly offering tenants modest buyouts, a few thousand dollars to give up their rent-controlled leases, I decided to take it. During the next few weeks, as I got ready for my move, a funny thing happened. The dealer and his girlfriend disappeared. No one seemed to know what had become of them. Meanwhile, the entire building, in fact the whole block, took on a relaxed, almost cheerful vibe. It was as if someone, some unsung hero, had reclaimed them for the people. The morning I moved out, a tenant was lovingly placing a potted plant in the freshly painted foyer. Down the street, in what had been an empty storefront, a new cafe was unrolling a grand opening banner. That was my last real lease on a New York apartment before leaving the city for good. I've been back to visit a few times, checked out my old building. The block, my beat, it's changed a lot, but it's still got an edge. Walking by, I get a brief surge of adrenaline, a muscle memory of fear or power. It's hard to tell which. Doug Cordell is an Emmy-nominated writer and performer living in the Bay Area, currently working on a novel. That story was produced by Jamie DeWolf and Renzo Gorio. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.